Hi everyone, welcome to Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. I am your host, Saksham Sharda. I'm the Creative Director at Outgrow. And I have with me here my co-host, Anushka Chopra, who's the Social Media and Outreach Analyst at Outgrow. And for this month, we're going to interview Julia Campbell, who is the founder and principal at J. Campbell Social Marketing. So Julia, we're going to start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice. Okay. Uh, try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only. And Anushka is going to start with the first question. Okay. 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 So are you ready? Yes. Okay. So the very first question is, what's your middle name? Claire. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. That's pretty. But okay. That's pretty. <laughs> How long does it take for you to get ready in the morning? Uh, 10 minutes if I'm sitting at my desk. <laughs> that is the fastest answer any of our market of the month have given us to date. Right. It depends. Last one was 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It, oh, for, if I'm going somewhere, 45 minutes. But okay. if mostly, most days I'm at my desk, 10 minutes. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. So are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? A fruit. And very good. You're the second one to get it right. <laughs> All right. Who's your favorite Harry Potter character? Hermione, obviously. <laughs> Hermione. Was, yeah, right. <laughs> the last person said Voldemort, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love Voldemort, but Hermione. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So speaking of uh, people, which one will you choose? Neil Patel or Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh, who was the first one? Neil Patel. Uh, oh, Neil Patel? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's hard. To hang out with Neil Patel, okay. to learn from probably Gary Vaynerchuk. Because okay. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk is not very polite to talk to, right? <laughs> I, I don't think I'd want to hang out with him. Yeah. I, I like him. I appreciate him. <laughs> but Neil Patel online. seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Giving presents or getting presents? Giving presents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Probably four. Okay. Two large four ice is coffees. Normal. Four is normal. Four is normal. Did you said two or what? Two large iced coffees, usually. Okay. <laughs> so you count them as four, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, what's something you could eat for a week straight? Quizzlers. Candy. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, fill in the blank. I can survive on dash hours of sleep. Oh, well, if we're talking about today, I only had five hours of sleep. Survive? Ooh. I could survive on four hours of sleep, I think. Wow. As long as the next time yeah. I have a good night's sleep. <laughs> and then okay. you take 10 minutes to get ready and then you're on your desk. Yes. And then I, you know. <laughs> I'm very low maintenance. <laughs> I'm very efficient. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Is the next one yeah. nine? Okay. What does a person need to be happy? Love. Hmm. I think. Was it, yeah, there it was could be a family. Every- it could be a pet. It could be just some someone that loves them. Something that loves them. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm so happy that everyone who's coming on this show is saying love. Everyone's just answering this question with no. That's I nice really, thing. I think so. Yeah, I'm trying. It's also a one-word answer that you can easily say, I suppose. 
ஆமாங்க I wanted to ask actually one more question which was what is your favorite social media network? I love Instagram. Oh uh, yeah. That's my personal <laughs> okay. favorite. Yeah, okay. Yeah, All right. Good choice. So now we that's the end of the rapid fire round. Uh yep, let's go on to the bigger yeah. questions and Anushka you want okay. to ask the first one? Okay. Yeah, okay, let's go for it. Um let's start with talking about you a little. And okay. I mean I've seen a Yes, yeah, going through your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you've always been very involved with non-profits and giving back mm. to the community. So, what drives you to do so? Well, I really I just love the idea of creating marketing campaigns and telling stories that are going to help make the world a better place rather than sell shoes or sell soft drinks or cell technology. So there's nothing wrong with that, but for me, I really enjoy matching people that are interested in causes up with the causes themselves. So helping the social causes get found. But I started when I was in the Peace Corps, the United States Peace Corps, and I lived in Africa for several years in Senegal. and i worked mm-hmm. with a lot of ngos and nonprofits there and got to see their work firsthand and then when i came back to the united states i started doing fundraising and grant writing and marketing and i just found that my love of writing my love of activism and social justice it just sort of merged together really well interesting All right yeah Oh, you're going to say something? Oh, I was going to say something. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, that's okay. That's all right. Oh, so you think it's like three key things that you're doing with and this is uh fundraising, grant writing, and what was the third one you said? I just forgot. Well, that's where I started uh-huh. marketing. So right now I do digital fundraising consulting, storytelling consulting and marketing, specifically social media. So I really had to get the word out. how to gain visibility increase exposure how to not just get people to pay attention but how to actually get them to act and how to get mm-hmm. them to care about what you're doing okay mm-hmm. uh i'll ask the next question then anushka yep please go ahead that is marketing has evolved from just giving information to an audience to telling them a story and providing them with value why do you think the shift took place Well, we are becoming numb um and immune to marketing messages. So we receive millions of marketing messages per day and marketing used to be really, you know, it used to be really kind of smart. It would manipulate us, it grab our attention. There would be clickbait headlines and spam and we'd be inundated with emails and that still happens, but marketers are getting smarter. So it's harder to cut through the clutter and get noticed 
and get found, especially online and especially on social media. So stories are the absolute best way to not only grab attention, but to actually get people to listen to your idea or listen to your marketing message because human brains are wired to pay attention to stories. That's why we actually love podcasts and that's why we love television and movies and books. We are just absolutely programmed to pay attention when we're receiving a message in a narrative. So marketing now is not about grabbing attention and getting as many eyeballs on your ad as possible. It's not about how many people have watched my video. It's more about how many people have I actually reached and actually created a relationship with and brought into the fold and inspired to take an action. So especially for nonprofits, telling that story, making that emotional connection, that really is the only way to get someone to open up their wallet. And I don't care what you're selling. If you are selling a computer, if you are selling a coat, if you're selling perfume, it's all about emotion. How does it make me feel when I purchase this? Or for a nonprofit, how does it make me feel when I make this donation. So stories create that emotional connection and it's a response to just the way humans are, are motivated, the way humans are driven. Yeah, because uh, could you, in, in, in this regard, could you give an example of something you've done with your company, a story that you have told that you, th you, you are proud of? Well, for me, so for my personal brand, I've always felt that being vulnerable and being open and sharing personal stories is the best way to make connections with clients and, and have them get to know you. I'm also just very comfortable doing that. So I share a lot of stories around my children. I just, in fact, sent an email newsletter, a story of my son when I dropped him off at school. And he turned to me and he said, there's too many school days. There's not enough family days. And I thought, I, I get it. I understand, but this is what we're working for. So it was more of a pep talk to my clients and the people on my email list saying, it's, a, it's hard to work. It's hard work. We are all burned out. We want to spend more time with our families, but we're doing really important things. So I like sharing personal stories. And then for my clients, it can be challenging sometimes because some of my clients have confidentiality restrictions and they feel very protective of the people they serve and they don't want to exploit them. They want to make sure they're doing storytelling in a very ethical way. But one group that I worked with is uh, a food pantry and they actually provide multiple services to families in need in my area. And I finally convinced them to share a story of one of their clients changing the name, not using the mm. photo, using a stock mm. photo. And the email raised three times more than they have ever raised with any other email because it was simple. It was provocative. It was real. It was authentic. And it just created that true mm. connection with the donors um, and with their email subscribers. Oh, that's yeah, nice to hear. Yeah, and we should like forward it to us as well. Oh yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Or we should forward to... it to everyone who's listening. Yes, it sounds like a great yes. story. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I, I actually read. Yes. 
Yeah. Sorry, no, go no, ahead. Please go ahead. No, that's I was okay. going to say, just, you know, it doesn't have to yeah. be a long story. I think when nonprofits hear storytelling or or businesses and brands, they think it has to be like Harry Potter. It has to be this huge epic tale with mm. a you know a huge story arc and seventy five characters. You can tell a great story with three sentences and a great mm. photo. So it's all in the emotion and it's all about, did something happen? Is this about a person? Is this something I care about? Is there a conflict? But I do feel like often organizations think they have to be professional novelists uh, in Mm. order to do good storytelling. And they definitely do not. Yeah, that's very true. Cause that's the thing about art. You can make a great impression with something really small, but that can be a story in itself. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree. Absolutely. You were saying, Anushka? Yes, I was just saying that from all that I'm hearing, I think that um, it just storytelling just requires this understanding of what is going to give value to the person on the receiving end of the story. Yes. So, yes, it's so. Is is my question is um, is storytelling does is there a science to it? I mean, I obviously it takes intuitiveness and empathy on the part of the storyteller in order to connect with the audience. But if Mm -hmm. you had to say, give us three ways on how to do it right, how to do storytelling right, what are the top three tips that you would give us? Well, the top three tips, number one, know why you're telling the story. So what is it you hope to achieve with this story? It really might be, I want to get likes on Instagram. That might be your goal. It might be, I need to raise $10,000. It might be, I want to close this deal with this client. Whatever it is, know the reason that you're telling the story first, because that's going to help you craft it and mold it. Second, know who you're talking to. So different stories resonate with different people. And if you're trying to get someone to, to give you money, to take an action, to buy something, to donate, then you absolutely have to evoke an emotion. And then number three would be, tell me what you want me to do. So have the goal, know who you're talking to, and then have an ask at the end. So a lot of times I see great storytelling all over the internet, all over social media, but I never know what people want me to do at the end of it, or there's a soft ask, or it's very vague, or it's complicated, or it's hard to do. So depending on the channel that you're using, ask me to do something. If you're going to take the time to craft a great story and inspire me, make me feel this connection to you, make me feel proud, or maybe you're pulling my heartstrings, maybe you're making me feel angry, whatever it is with the story, whatever emotion Mm -hmm. it is that you're evoking, Tell me exactly what the next step is in the journey and how I can either get more information or get involved with you. Yeah. Okay. That kind of seems like the formula we also use in our interactive experiences. You start with a goal and yes. you end with an ask. So it's, it's kind of like similar personalized storytelling that uh, one can achieve. Uh, and storytelling, yeah, I, I mean, a, a, the example that I gave before of the email that I sent that was just my son's story, mm-hmm. the why, I didn't really have a call to action. It, it was just a Monday morning pep talk to my email list. And 
I just wanted them to know that I was thinking about them. And I also don't like every communication that comes from me to be asking them for something. And that's mm -hmm. important for nonprofits as well. So sometimes mm -hmm. the why of the story might just be communicating impact, sharing an accomplishment, making people feel good. There may, might not be a specific call to action. The call to action might be hit reply to this email, let me know what you're working on, or have a great day thinking about you, just to stay top of mind of the audience. You're like a long-term ask. You just put like, oh, you can visit the website related mm -hmm. to this. Yeah, exactly. like you're not really asking them something. You're like, you can yeah. see more information here. You can read more about this here. Read this blog, uh, watch the video. Yeah, yeah small yeah. ask. It's like an educative ask, right? So they think that you're not really trying to sell them something because you're not. So yeah, right. completely agree. Okay. Uh, so who's me? Okay, it's me next. Uh, yeah, so tell me something uh, that most social media professionals think is true and that you think is bullshit or something you think is true that most social media professionals think is bullshit. Oh, well, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, that most social media professionals think that you can automate almost everything that you do mm -hmm. on social so I believe that you can schedule strategically. I, I certainly use, you know, tools to schedule myself, but you also can't rely on that to be the only way that you're communicating. You have to actually go into the platform and monitor questions and mon and see what people are doing and, and answer and respond. So mm -hmm. this whole notion that you can just sort you just automate just set up on a bunch of platforms and automate what you're doing and then almost like a faucet just turn it on and turn it off that's that doesn't work and i've seen it not work um what is something that i think is true that other people think is bullshit i don't know <laughs> i personally think that um social media is not going to replace analog and in-person touches. And I maybe some people think that's bullshit. I don't know. But I don't think things like Facebook fundraising, email fundraising, I think they're great, but I don't think they're going to ever replace picking up the phone or mm -hmm. writing a thank you note or having a coffee with donors. So I really believe in the long game of things and calling a donor, even if they only gave you $5 via email or if someone liked something on Facebook and you've seen that they've been interacting with you on Facebook, trying mm -hmm. to figure out their contact information and getting in touch with them. That's something I feel pretty, I feel pretty strongly about. Um, but yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I actually, I would love to know what people, <laughs> what people think is bullshit about some things that I've talked about. I know that people disagree with me about, Facebook fundraising and the power of Facebook fundraising. I get in a lot of arguments about that because people, some people just hate Facebook. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although okay. recently they do even more, but yeah, uh, sure. But yeah. yeah, this is a tricky question. We always like put it somewhere yes. in the middle so that no one's looking for it and it comes along. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll move and like speaking of social media, I will move on to the next question, mm. which is um, what, according to you, is an underrated social media platform that marketers can leverage? Oh, LinkedIn and Pinterest 
are completely mm-hmm. underrated, especially by small businesses and nonprofits. So I definitely get a huge portion of either inquiries or even clients from LinkedIn and speaking okay. engagements. LinkedIn is there. It's not as saturated right now with marketing messages. It's much more professional and it's certainly not saturated with all of the crap that's on Facebook and Twitter. There's nothing about what you ate last night or your political views. Yeah. At least I haven't seen that on LinkedIn yet. It's much more targeted and focused and the algorithm right now is rewarding um, video and photos. So I would say I post on Facebook, my Facebook page, I post on Twitter, I post on Instagram, you know, the, the traditional three to 5% maybe see anything that you post on LinkedIn. It's much higher. I mean, it really might even be like 10% of my connections see a post it's huge it's really high so organic reach on linkedin i think is is heavily underestimated and also pinterest is a shockingly huge uh, website generator website traffic generator for me so make sure if you have blogs if you have videos um youtube videos autoplay now and pinterest Make sure if you have any kind of visual content and you want to lead people back to your website that you're posting it on Pinterest because people are saving things on Pinterest. They're sending pins to their friends. Um, they're saving articles to read later. So I've just been seeing that Pinterest is my number two, <laughs> Pinterest is my number two uh, traffic driver to my website other than uh, Google. So it's very strange, but wow. yes. I just think it's, I think it's very underestimated. I read somewhere as well that Pinterest, the, the lifespan of a post on Pinterest is the highest amongst yes. all other social networks. Cause on Pinterest, it might last yeah. for months. Whereas on Instagram is it's just there for a day and then just like goes down right on Pinterest. It keeps getting revived or like yes. uh, attracting traffic. Yeah, yeah, people keep you know? it, yeah. It's much more evergreen on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So do send yeah. us over your Pinterest account link and we'll post it for our customers as well. Uh, everyone who's listening. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and we'll actually analyze it as well because we have such a love hate relationship with Pinterest. So, I mean, I love to see what you're doing. Sure. I don't do very much strategically. I mean, I started my Pinterest board probably can't be when I got married. I got married a very long time ago. Oh no. When I had my daughter, <laughs> like we are like, you know, like a lot of people do started a Pinterest board for the nursery mm-hmm. for baby gifts. I, I have so many boards that I don't use anymore, but then I started seeing the value of it to save blog posts to read later or to organize my blog blog posts. And I started joining group boards And like, there's a big, huge social media for social good group board, and there's a fundraising group board. And that just gives added exposure to what you're doing. Um, So Mm -hmm. I, I don't use it probably as strategically as some other bloggers, but I certainly have been seeing the value in participating in it a little bit. Definitely. Because what I see from what you're talking about, especially about what you talked about, how Pinterest was, you made Pinterest when uh, you had a daughter, is because one of the guests on our Marketer of the Month is Leonard Kim, who is uh, one of the top Forbes marketing influencers. And his speciality is personal branding. And I can see with you, 
your company is named after you. Your Pinterest has your personal details. It seems you're also telling a story about yourself, which mm-hmm. is kind of merged in with how you tell stories for others. So, so you're like the best uh, market. Example like you yourself yeah. are the best example, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. what you do. That's what I love. And I don't have anyone to answer to. So I can pin whatever I want, whenever I want, post whatever I want. I I don't have anyone to answer to other than myself. So, and whatever I'm doing is working. People really have been, I mean, my blog and my social media, I think have been really resonating with people. And if they don't like me, then that's okay too. That's fine. <laughs> In fact, if it was like, it was on Pinterest, I think, Anushka, that we made, uh, so when the European Union came out with the GDPR yes. uh, privacy laws, so so it's like, you know, yeah. the EU comes out with a law and like half the people don't understand it. The other half actually didn't know how to register a GDPR violation complaint. So now at Grow, we made uh, for a lot of like NGOs, this uh, complaint generator that would like ask you which company you felt had violated your rights mm-hmm. and go through that entire process. And then it will automatically send an email to the concerned European authority and they had to reply to you within two months. So we posted wow. that on Pinterest and it still keeps attracting a lot of, uh, yeah. like, cause like this was like ages ago cause GDPR was like eternities ago. But every now and then we get like someone sent an email using Outgrow to like one of the European yeah. agencies and they had to reply within a month because we get a notification for it. So wow. Pinterest is so evergreen. It's just been so long and it's just been going mm-hmm. on. So, <laughs> but oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because people, <laughs> I know, and pins resurface and then someone pins it and then someone else finds it and they pin it from their friend. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's completely, it's, on, it's I yeah. agree that shelf life is a lot longer. Because on Instagram, you can't share, right? You can only save and you can personally send it to a friend, but yeah. you can't like that basic You can share if it's a public post and if it is, you can share oh, yeah, your story. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I could share if it's something from a public account, mm. I could share it to anyway. my Instagram story, mm. but it's difficult to share to your feed. I don't know mm. if anyone uses that repost app anymore. Do you remember that app? Yeah. Oh, Regram yeah, or repost. I used yeah, to have right. that, but the trend is not to share other people's stuff on Instagram. The trend is to create your own. Yeah, because yeah, I'm fascinated like by Twitter. the limitations Instagram has imposed and stuff like this, for instance, or that you can't post links unless you have like, you know, uh, on your posts, you can't do it, but on your Insta stories, you can do and it if you have more than 10K followers. But yeah. I just... I'm fascinated by these limitations. What are they trying to achieve? What do you think they're trying to achieve? Because they must have something in mind, right? Because it's different from Facebook, but Facebook owns both of these. So, Well, what if do you, you purchase an ad, you can mm-hmm. put a link on your ad, like a little button yeah. on your ad. But in terms of the, you know, the organic posts, I think what they're trying to do is just really make Instagram stand apart from all of the other social media sites that are just a bunch of links. So they don't want you to stay on Instagram when you're on Instagram. They want you to scroll. They want you to follow as many people as possible. They want you to look at the ads, you know, and now you can shop on Instagram, certain accounts. Mm -hmm. You can actually click on items in the photo and purchase them right from Instagram. And so they, they really want, they want that experience where you're staying on the site. I mean, face people at Facebook are, brilliant and you know a lot of people don't know that facebook owns instagram which i'm always shocked to find out that they don't know but they've done a great job 
of marketing them completely separately and making them look different and keeping them pretty pretty much apart in terms of you know, the way they look and the user experience and things like that. But I think that the name of the game is eyeballs and attention. And the longer mm. you spend on each of these sites, the more ads they can show you and the more likely you are to click and the more data they're gathering on us. I mean, we just be real about that. The longer you stay on the site, the more data they can gather on you and they are selling that data. So we just have to be realistic about that too. True. Also they own WhatsApp and that's a different ball game altogether. Yes. Well. There's also WhatsApp yeah. sharing. You know, those things that are going on and fake news in WhatsApp as well. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's a monopoly that owns three different uh, so mm -hmm. competing social networks, which is, uh, I suppose, brilliant and also scary at the same time. I think um, it will be split up. I think that that mm -hmm. wave is coming. The winds are shifting. I think that even though the U.S. government really has no idea what Facebook does or their business model or what social media is. I think that there's enough momentum from the general public and from some savvy, you know, Congress mm -hmm. men and women that mm -hmm. I really do think Facebook is going to be regulated and Google probably as well. Mm -hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren was talking about breaking up Facebook. Oh, she recently. was. Yeah. I love Elizabeth Warren. I got to say <laughs> okay. she's the only one with actual plans everyone yeah. says let's break up facebook but she actually proposed a plan whether or not it's feasible i don't know mm -hmm. but she's the only one that said this is how it would work because she actually understands how businesses mm -hmm. work you know she mm -hmm. understands um deregulation that's kind of like her thing so who knows what's going to happen but i definitely think it's going to be a popular bandwagon to jump on yeah and i think in the european union uh the com Commissioner for Competition, Margaret Vestager, who just fined Google for, uh, you know, she she said Google oh, was displaying results very improperly. So that, I suppose. Uh, also, one more thing that I want to talk about related to all of this was uh, the EU recently passed a meme ban. I don't know whether you heard about that, a that you can't upload ban. images unless you have the copyright to yeah. them. So they're going to start oh. charging websites if you upload images that you do not have the copyright to. So they won't charge you. They will charge the website where you uploaded it. So I don't know what's going to happen to Pinterest then because, you know, Pinterest is basically about resharing images. And uh, so, yeah. What? That's all of social media, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how that could possibly be enforced. I just don't understand. Also, a meme is meant to be. That's the point exactly, of a meme. Yeah. Someone creates exactly. it and puts it out in the world and yeah. then it's meant to be adapted and, and reshared and iterated by people. So I, I completely understand if you go to Google images or if you take someone's photography and mm. use it, but I have, I don't know how that would even be regulated. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. That just sounds crazy, but okay. Mm -hmm. uh, next question. Yeah. Anushka. Okay, so well, um, let's shift from social media to email marketing. Um, and like you said earlier, um, a lot of people feel that um, emails can be spammy. But mm. I don't think that there's any denying the impact that, that a well-crafted, personalized message can have on your customers. Mm. But the problem here is that people are receiving more and more emails all the time and can be challenging to stand out in those full inboxes. Yes. So what are some do's and don'ts? when uh, some do's and don'ts when it comes to promoting via emails. 
you just have to be sharing really good stuff. You can't escape it. You can create a subject line that will make people click, but if they feel tricked or manipulated in any way, they're going to unsubscribe. They're going to mark you as a spammer. So you have to be providing some kind of value to the people on your email list. They have to want to hear from you. That's really the only way. So depending on who your clients are, your customers are, you need to know what do they want to hear more about? What are their pain points? What are their challenges? What can you offer them that they can't get anywhere else? What is unique about you? And offer that to them on a schedule that they want. So I recently just unsubscribed from probably 20 different email newsletters this week because it, it was there were just a lot of list of um, blog links. So stuff I could find in Google, stuff I could find on Twitter. I don't need more things to read. I don't need to be more overwhelmed. But the emails that I kept were actually more personal. So there's a couple of bloggers that I follow and they always write a really like really fun or entertaining email every week. And they usually share some really great insight or maybe one link to one blog. But I think you need to know your clients and the way they want to hear from you and what they want to hear from you. And then also respecting if they don't want to hear from you. So don't add people no. to your email list that don't want to be added <laughs> and don't get upset. Don't get upset about unsubscribes, you know, don't get upset about unsubscribes, but also try to be a little more creative with your email subject lines. Don't be manipulative, but be creative. Don't call it, you know, Julia Campbell fall newsletter number five, because that's not, no one's going yeah. to open it. Like yeah. make it, give it a little bit of a tease. And if you can add a first name, that's always great to catch someone's eye. If you can add emojis, always good to catch someone's eye. But I think that we need to understand that email open rates are really, they're never going to go back up. The only way to really get a, a good email open rate is to continually go through your list, take off people that haven't opened your emails in six months, three months, whatever it is that you decide and adding people as they want to be added. That's really the only way. How do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, talking about our newsletter and that's why we have the marketing trends thing where we don't just talk about us, but we give, you know, insights about any upcoming trends that might be of mm -hmm. actual use to people. And this also ties back to what we were talking earlier about marketing being more than just giving information to people, but about mm -hmm. interacting with them and telling them a story. Yes. I think shorter emails work better now as well. So we mm -hmm. have to start really being laser focused on what we want to tell people. I always write my email like it's from me. Well, it is from me, <laughs> but I always write my email <laughs> exactly in the tone that I would write an email to a friend. So showing that you're a human, showing your sense of humor, showing a little bit about your personality, that's really the way to cut through the clutter because we get so many automated emails. You know, we get so, read so many articles. There's so much content out there that the only way really to stand out is to just be human and be you and yeah. attract the right people that are going to respond to that. I was going to say the fact that you had to clarify on uh, 
I always write my emails like it's from me. It's it's such a statement on on today's age and times where it's just like everyone knows that it's not coming from someone, right? So so that statement right. has to be clarified. Well, mine are actually coming from me, but yes, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's obviously coming yeah. from my email provider. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a personal one-on-one email with my whole list, but uh, a lot of people do have their do have copywriters for their email. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, uh, really in nonprofits especially. They're so concerned with perfection and we don't want perfection anymore. We're all tired of perfection. We mm-hmm. want realness and authenticity. We want to connect with people online. We want to see the human side of a brand. That's really what we want. And people are so scared of doing that. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes when we are making emails, we're like so scared about making a mistake or like a spelling mistake, but that's like something human that's like, so been taken away from everything yeah, in marketing, like and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, it's like not a, a big deal. Even if it goes and all out of that stuff's fine. Yeah, I was, it's not a big deal, even yeah. if it goes out, out with like a spelling mistake. It's like they're not going to think that you're like, oh, oh, he's not a robot. He was actually a human who actually wrote that email. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, how many emails do you tend to send? Uh, what is a your month? rate of sending? Yeah, in a month. Oh my gosh, I am never taking my own advice about how to do anything. (laughs) So I don't have a set schedule. Mm. I will look at what I'm trying to promote and I'll, I'll probably, I won't send more than once a week unless I have something going on like a Facebook live where I want to send them a message right before I go live. Or if it's something that adds value to them, like a free webinar, but in terms of a promotion, I, I really try not to email more than once a week. And I try, it's only one column. It's very short. It usually has some animated GIFs in it. And mm. it's it's usually, you know, I try to, I work really hard to provide value to my email list because mm. they are, they, you know, they, we can't deny it. The email really is the best return on investment in digital marketing. I mean, social media mm. is very ephemeral. It goes away. You don't, you only reach one to 2% of your fans with every post. But if you do email marketing well, you can get a decent open rate and a decent response rate as long as you're continually growing it. But I think for me, just being consistent, so not sending out a seven column heavy graphics, long newsletter one week, and then a really short pithy email with seven gifts another week. So trying to be consistent in my tone and my messaging and the length, things like that. Uh, Just to sum up this topic, it just came to my mind. We have uh, email open rate calculator that our listeners can probably at this point, if you guys want to check it out, do check it out because it tells you based on your industry, what the open rates are so you don't have to be scared if your open rates are low you can check based on how many emails you're sending what is the average open rate for your industry so do check it out and we'll probably move on to the next question anushka or is it my question it's yours whatever i'll ask the digital landscape is very fast paced uh people are constantly shifting from one trend to another so what are the some what are some ways you can recommend to keep up with and better understand these changes I think listening to podcasts like this, but also (laughs) focusing on one or two or a handful of quote unquote influencers that you really like and Mm. you respect and 
honestly unsubscribing from everyone else. So this is something I had to do because I was getting so many emails and following so many people online and trying to read social media examiner every day and trying, we have to just take a step back and breathe and say, we are never going to know everything that's going on. It's just not possible. But what are the three, the two or three topics that really impact our work or that we want to be known for and find the blog or the newspaper on those topics and read those people consistently. So for me, I like social media today. I -hmm. like social media examiner, but the articles can be very long. I don't read them every day if they're not relevant to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I like, you know, I get Google alerts for certain topics and I follow several um, nonprofit specific marketing influencers on Twitter. I created a Twitter list so I can filter Twitter to just see tweets from those 10 people. And that has helped me. The firehose of information was getting really overwhelming and that has definitely helped me, but also spending a dedicated time per day or even per week where you do actually read these articles and then you take action on them. So don't do it here and there. Don't have Twitter on all day. Don't have your email on all day. Do your focused work and then have a set time, maybe Friday at 3 p.m. where you go into your Gmail folder and you say, okay, here are all the emails from the week I need to. These are all the blogs that I want to read, all of the influencers I want to read. So trying to make it as focused as possible, but less less is always more. Less is always more in digital marketing. So you're you're never going to be able to be on every channel and be an expert on every channel. So pick two or three that you are very interested in that you love and master those. That's my recommendation. Yeah, that's very yeah. correct because every time we have someone here, they do always want to emphasize on Google alerts and making Twitter lists. And these are the mm-hmm. two key things and just following certain things that you want to. So I completely oh, I just, agree with that. Yeah. You can't have the FOMO. You can't have FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> as a digital, you know, nonprofit social media managers, anyone that's a digital lead or digital manager, you're going to have FOMO because Instagram stories is coming out with an announcement or something. You just mm-hmm. have to do your best and mm-hmm. make sure that the trends that you're following are relevant to your goals and what you're trying to do. And like you said, you have to do it regularly once a week. Take some time out yes. to track yeah. on a particular period, which is what, what Anushka was saying. In our trending newsletter, we actually take the best of Twitter from the last week, the That's past great. entire week, or like the best of the most trending marketing news. And we just list it out like as an additional feature on a trending. Like we just put 10 of those, the best ones. And we just like do spend every Monday. We send it out without fail. We're like, do spend some time over this. Uh, you'd be up to date. And that's all you need to do. Uh, So yeah, that's something we do. So do check that out as well. Uh, Do you want to go to the next question? Is it me or you again? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, it's relating to this. So I just wanted to ask, what are some trends that you have seen that actually work? Like, I mean, I know that it's very hard for businesses to keep up with the constant change, but what is something that really does work and that people should really adopt into their business strategy or in the marketing strategy? Well, I hesitate to tell anyone they should do something, but I have been reading a lot recently, um, a lot of reports talking about the power of 
Instagram story and Facebook story ads. So Buffer and Hootsuite and Social Media Examiner, and they've all done reports showing that if you invest even $50 into story ads, so ads that will play automatically within someone's Instagram story, the engagement rate is like 75% because the market's not saturated yet. So if you're on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, if you're using stories, definitely look at it, like definitely explore putting an ad in there. But if you're not using stories, I recommend just starting out watching them. They are poised to overtake the newsfeed in terms of the amount of pieces of content posted by 2020. So there are going to be more stories posted than newsfeed content on Facebook and Instagram. So people love them. They're popular, but if you don't have them yet, don't get stressed out. Just watch a bunch of them. Go on Instagram, watch other people's stories, go on Facebook, watch other people's stories, get the feel of how it works, and then brainstorm two or three ways that you could incorporate it into your business. So this is, you know, stories aren't new, but I do think that using them for marketing, it the the it's not saturated yet. People aren't doing it as much yet. So I okay. do encourage that. I think especially if you are a small business, an entrepreneur or a nonprofit, you're not, a, you know, like seeing an Instagram story from Coca-Cola or Apple, you know, I don't want to see that, but yeah. the local pizza place, yeah. I might want to see that or mm -hmm. the local, you know, freelancer. I don't know. So I think that if you are a smaller business, then the opportunity, there's still opportunities there to really reach more people. I completely agree because on my Instagram, I do not check my newsfeed anymore. I'm only going through stories because it's also yes. automated. I don't have to click on anything. They yeah. just roll by themselves, right? Yeah. Uh, and I also, go down the story rabbit hole constantly. And yeah. what I should also say about stories is that they're not subject to the algorithm. So they're completely uh, chronological. So yeah. if I post, if Kim Kardashian or Taylor Swift or whoever <laughs> posts a story and then I post one, and my friend follows follows all of us. My story mm. will show up first, so it doesn't mm. matter. Um, there's it's very democratic. I love stories. I don't know if they're going to get a, do away with that. I, that would make me crazy if they did away with that. I love that it's chronological, mm. and I love that you can see when someone updates in real time. I just I I love the nature of stories. I think they also accidentally rolled out an update. This was like a couple of months ago where the news feed also became automatic like stories. And there, there was a huge outcry, so they had to yeah. roll it back. But uh, <laughs> so they just stuck to stories as like on top right now, which is good, right? There's always nice to have two options. Yeah. But again, what you're saying is most businesses are actually advertising through Facebook, but you can actually set up Insta story advertisements yes. through Facebook. So yes. all they need to do is to just a couple of clicks more and they already can take the same ad reposition it and put it on instagram so uh yeah completely yes. valid point yeah absolutely yeah. and yeah and what do you think about video marketing i mean right now we all have this incredible medium which is interactive content mm -hmm. just to tell our story what do you think about that Video marketing is one of the best ways to really show, you know, your personality, show behind the scenes, show your product or your service to your clients. And I know that people would much prefer watching video, especially live streaming video, than read a blog post. Mm 
So I'm still old school and write a blog every week, but I try to do Facebook lives twice a month. I try to do like put videos on YouTube. They're certainly not professional and polished um, like most people's videos are, but I try to do as much video marketing as I can, even if it's just off the cuff with some lights, you know, on my desktop because people absolutely respond to other people's faces. They love to, they just love to see you in your environment and what you're doing. So I think video, I know that Facebook had said last year that video was going to be 90% of the newsfeed by this year, which I think it, I mean, it really almost is, but no, I, I, and also video is the most shared type of content on social media. So if getting shares is what you're after, which I'm sure all of us are, getting people to spread the word, having a really short, creative, fun video that kind of encapsulates your message, that's going to get shared much more than a, a link to an outside website. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Most I think new, that's the thing uh, with interactive content. I mean, Sachin, you want to continue? Oh, no, I thought you were saying something. Yeah, I mean, I was saying that that's the thing with interactive content, right? that it's inherently viral a quiz or like a calculator or like a BuzzFeed quiz, for example, or the kind of quizzes that we make. I mean, we make a lot of them. And I see that if they provide value to people, then people would automatically want to share them with others because they'd want to tell others something funny or something highly relevant that they just consume. Absolutely. Yeah, because going through my news feed nowadays, I can see that most news websites like BBC or Now This or New York Times, they have like these auto-playing videos, which is which are just going to like uh, go through the news, uh, a particular news. They'll tell it as a story. So they'll be like, oh, this particular news item, this is what's happening. This is what Trump did. And it's all being a little video. And then in addition to this, so they're yeah. really engaged in video marketing like this. But in addition to that, they also do like trivia. So they're like, do you know last week's news? And they do it in a quiz and people love testing their own knowledge. So so it's kind of like being yes. interactive and being also like educative. So we're kind of moving towards that direction. So like, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's where the trend is. Exactly. And, and virtual reality and augmented reality video mm-hmm. nonprofits mm-hmm. have been using it in the field to actually mm-hmm. bring people in the United States, you know, almost into a classroom in Ghana or building a well in mm-hmm. Kenya and actually immersing them, you know, as much as possible through virtual reality experiences. And mm-hmm. I think that's a huge trend that's, that's mm-hmm. going to explode. Yeah, yeah, because I completely agree because the NGOs on Facebook do this as well. They use videos to kind of show this. And also I've heard about like in the UN, they do this quite a lot to give a virtual <laughs> reality experience to a particular lawmaker so that he understands this is the reality, the ground reality at a particular place. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that, and so shall I move on to the next question? This is the last question, which is sure. yes. what are three yeah. tips that you'd like to give to all marketers to better connect with their audience? Three tips that I would like to give to marketers. Number one, be yourself and don't be afraid to be yourself. So have confidence in your product, your service, your mission, and don't be afraid to talk about it in an authoritative way. So don't be sorry. Don't be apologetic. Don't have imposter syndrome. Don't feel like you can't promote yourself. But just be authentic and, you know, completely 
be yourself, use your own language, stop using jargon and marketing speak and words like what wheelhouse and synergy and adjacent. And I don't even know there's 10 million words. Just use your own words and be yourself. That's probably number one. Second would be, don't be afraid to take risks. So perfection is no longer desired. People do not want to see this polished. I mean, I think that that's, that's a huge trend. Now people don't want to see airbrushed photos. People Mm. are getting tired Mm. of the Snapchat filters. People want realness and authenticity, but also be afraid to, don't be afraid to take risks with technology and new things that you want to try out. It's just marketing, you know, it's just social media. It's Mm. not like no one is going to die. If you take a bad Instagram story (laughs) and you have to delete it. So have a little bit more courage to take risks and then really focus on narratives and storytelling because it's so trendy right now. But if it's done well, if it's an actual story, then it's going to capture my attention and pique my curiosity. So make sure the messages that you're sending are not messages. Make sure that they're actually stories or they have some flavor, some personality. You have to ask yourself, so what? Three times. You have to say, so what? So what? So what? Why would someone care about this? We have to really take ourselves out of the mindset that what we're doing is so important. Everyone's going to care about it. That's not true. So you have to really, you know, really get um, those emotional stories, get those narratives, figure out how you're going to craft them in the best way possible. Um, But yeah, I always, my tips are always never around tools because I think the tools come and go, but the basic principles of what works in marketing, which I believe really is be yourself, have confidence, share stories, share narratives and take risks. I think those, no matter what the tools, no matter what the year, I think those are very evergreen and those never change. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was uh, the last question. So uh, I think we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, Unless you have a question for us, Julia. (laughs) Oh, no. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We had a great time as well. Yeah. And thank you for all the information that you've shared with us and our listeners. I know for a fact that it's going to come in handy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that information uh, for our listeners, so the key assets that we're going to share is the uh, the email that Julia was really proud of, the little story about a particular uh, one that she's going to forward to us, which she'll forward okay. to all of you. Yes. And yeah. then there was the Julia's Pinterest <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then the uh, GDPR complaint generator that we talked about and the email open rate calculator as well. We'll share all four of these assets. And if Julia has something more to share, she can also let us know. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything more to share, Julia? No, I think I think that's it. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at Julia C Social and I'm pretty much always on Twitter. So <laughs> kind of the best way to find me. All right. So thank you for being here, everybody. And uh, I'll just wrap it up now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.